What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel to break down a big offseason ahead for the Milwaukee Bucks, including which coaching candidates could be in the mix to replace Mike Budenholzer. We'll take a look at free agency coming up for Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Giannis Antetokounmpo's extension eligibility, and maybe some CBA restrictions ahead that could affect how Milwaukee is going to move forward. Jim, appreciate you joining me, brother. How's everything your way as uh, you've gotten off to a busy start to the offseason so far? Yeah, very quietly. Michael, I mean, the Bucks had a co-ownership change, a head coaching change. I mean, big, big offseason um, moves or off-court <laughs> moves for a team that's been pretty stable the last five years. So yeah, it's been, uh, definitely thought I'd still be covering basketball right now. That's for sure. But, um, it, it, it's been good. <laughs> well, Jim, I gotta say, you know, Giannis didn't seem to think, uh, it was a failure, but, uh, evidently Bucks management thought differently and possibly ownership. Well, when you make a change like this with Mike Budenholzer, I will say, uh, it was interesting to see Giannis, mention after the series that they didn't make adjustments they they needed to make adjustments on certain things and you know Giannis isn't the type of guy in my opinion to say we need to make a change like directly but I thought some of those quotes were uh certainly going to affect the situation um you know I, I did get a kick when he uh he told Eric Nem that uh, it's not a failure it's a it's, it's a wrong question uh, well, eh, when you're expected to go to the finals and, and you get out that quick and in that fashion to a play-in team, that, 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 I don't know. To me, I wasn't totally surprised, even though, you know, Bud had a couple of years on his deal and $16 million left. But as we look ahead, there's going to be no shortage of suitors for that Milwaukee Bucks job because... You have a franchise guy in Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have a great two-way player and an all-star in Drew Holiday. Uh, potentially Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, depending on what they do in free agency. But, brother, as I look at the coaching landscape, I mean, certainly, look, you've got Charles Lee, whose name has come up for other jobs across the league over the years as a potential internal candidate if Milwaukee decides to go that route. Um, this is a team that's looking to win another championship and you've got championship coaches who've won a championship on the market in Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel. You know, previously they interviewed Becky Hammond, uh, during the last go around, they can go a number of directions. They can wait, maybe see if something happens with one of these teams in this round. If a coach uh, gets let go or something like that. There's a lot of different ways Milwaukee can go here. Uh, I still think it's early in the process. Don't think there's any direction or sense that they're leaning from people I've talked to so far. Again, it's early in the process. I mean, Jim, when you look at this and, and kind of break this down, what, what factors do you see going into this decision? And, and, and a little bit on what you think led to Bud's dismissal ultimately. Yeah, well, let's start there. Um, look, I, I think, unfortunately for for Boonholzer, um, and maybe quite remarkably, 
if you look at 69% winning percentage in the regular season, you know, 60% winning percentage in the playoffs and, and a championship, I, I think ownership had the ball rolling on his dismissal or they hit the clock, the timer, you know, way back in, in 21, you know, when they lost by 40 in game two in Brooklyn. And that's when you started getting, oh, Mike Budenholzer's um, job is is in, maybe in jeopardy if they lose this series, which would have been after three seasons. Well, they, they go on to win a title. He gets an extension. And, and at the time, then co-owner, then governor Mark Lazary goes very public and says he was the one who went in the locker room after game two in Brooklyn and wanted to know what was going on. I mean, I, what was he behind, you know, the reporting? I don't know, but I mean, he made his feelings pretty clear, Michael. So like if, if the ownership ball was, was if that clock was, was, was set or or started three years ago, um, you know, there's, there's for listeners who may not know the Bucks have several owners of equal standing. And even though Mark Lazary sold his share to the Haslam Sports Group, Wes Edens was still around, Jamie Dynan was still around. So I feel like, Michael, like maybe the championship reset the timer or reset, but it didn't stop the clock on Budenholzer. Like if it just felt like there was always like a, a tension there of some kind from, from the highest level. Um, and I think the way they lost, the fact that they've, they went from a championship to the second round to the first round. So you're descending with the third most expensive team in basketball. Um, you know, you I, you could argue uh, about how embarrassing that loss was. I mean, on a national level, the talking heads are ranking it as perhaps the most shocking 1-8 loss since the, the Denver-Seattle one. Um, you mentioned that Miami being a playoff playing team and maybe a few minutes away from not even – getting in. So I think it wasn't one thing why Budenholzer was fired. I think it it was maybe a culmination of of things over the years and this was just the the shocker. Now to to pivot to what they're looking for, my guy, I, I think you're right. I think it is very early. Uh John Horse told us that hey, if there's a benefit to being early May, it's that it's early May. Um I don't know if at least right now Michael, I, and, and you can tell me if you if you think I might be wrong here. I don't think just because someone has won a championship means that's the person. Uh, largely because it's a small group, Mike Boonholzer being part of it. But also, Nick Nurse, first-year head coach. Steve Kerr, first-year head coach. Ty Lue, first-year head coach in the season. So, of the recent champions, <laughs> um, there is precedent for finding the right person or the right personality or the right. uh, Look, the culture in Milwaukee is not bad, um, but clearly a change needed to be made. So maybe a culture resetter or, or voice to a degree. So um, I, you know, I know that's very broad and vague, but I don't think, I don't think the bucks want to limit themselves to, Oh, that person's done it. Uh, because I, I think recent history shows you can do it even if you hadn't. <laughs> well, I, I, this is what I would say regarding some of those points you made. I think first off, certainly uh, if the Bucks had lost to the Nets years ago in the playoffs, uh, you know, and 
Harden's hamstring wasn't an issue. Kyrie didn't land on Giannis's foot, and Kevin Durant's shoe size uh, wasn't a little too big. Uh, there was real talk about Rick Carlisle at the time potentially coming in, and um, I, I think certainly you know Mike Budenholzer at that point was definitely on the uh, on the thinnest of ice. Now, fast forward to now, and looking ahead to to the point you made about. Uh, the championship experience. I will say that we've certainly seen championship coaches uh, get let go like an old pair of boxers these days. Um, It it doesn't have the cachet on a resume that it used to. I do think there's been a little bit of a trend towards, oh, well, yeah, as you mentioned, some first-year guys were able to win a title. Um, But but I don't know. You know, again, the the Milwaukee could go a bunch of ways. That they're not even at the tip of the iceberg of where they're going to go. But my thing is, if you're trying to win a championship and if you did want a guy with experience, I threw those guys out there as people that, you know, I'm keeping an eye on because I do think that, um, you know, and and to some people, they are some of the top candidates. We've already seen both those guys uh, get linked with Houston and they're, head coaching search. And then they obviously went a different direction with Ime Udoka, who also drew interest from Toronto. Uh, it seemed like Houston was ready to move. And in, in that scenario, um, there were some rumblings out there that Houston was willing to pay a little bit more uh, for that job. So I think that and the urgency they had to get a deal done, moved the needle there. Uh, Toronto they still got to figure out things uh, among them. David Adelman, the Denver Nuggets lead assistant coach is going to interview there um, as the athletic had reported. Um, so they're still going through their process relatively in the early stage. Um, and obviously Milwaukee as well, but you know, we've kind of touched on a little bit, the coaching side of it, but I think whoever comes in there, Jim, they've got equally bigger fish to fry in the front office regarding free agency, because you've got Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez eligible for free agency. We'll start with Middleton. Who's got a 40.4 million dollar player option, which it's a high price tag. Um, Now I, I don't, I haven't gotten a sense yet what he's going to do with that player option, but from Milwaukee side, I think they, certainly need to resign him for a number of reasons if he declines that option and becomes an unrestricted free agent. He's Giannis Antetokounmpo's guy, first and foremost. He's been a proven all-star caliber guy when he's healthy, which he looked like during the playoffs. I think that's very important uh, with him heading into a potential huge payday this summer. And Milwaukee's in a win-now mode. And that cohesion of Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, it can't be underestimated, in my opinion. Um, I think they've got the talent to be a championship-caliber team and be right there with Boston in the East looking ahead um, in the immediate next couple of years um, while Giannis is under contract. And you've got to maximize that title window. Um, From your standpoint, being there on the ground every day, have you gotten a sense at all which way Middleton is is leaning and kind of what the thinking would be from Bucks management regarding him? Um, other, 
no. I mean, I'm short answer. Like I, I spent some time with Chris in the off season, even before you know this knee injury or before these things happened, and and even then he he played it very very close to the vest. Other than saying or, or acknowledging that at this stage of his life, as he's you know about to get to age thirty two, you know he's a father. The different things are part of his consideration package, as opposed to five years ago when he opted out and signed a $178 million deal or re-signed with Milwaukee. Um, obviously, I think if <laughs> he were to understand or, or feel that some salary cap team was going to give him 200 something million dollars in the bucks, <laughs> we're not going to go there. I think, you know, that makes a decision easier, but um, I do think there is a, a love for the city, Milwaukee, knowing that they can win, knowing that he's a good on the court pair with with Giannis. Um, I think he he knows all of that stuff, Michael. Um, in terms of the option, it might just that might just be a negotiating point. Um, you know, the Bucks are in a position offering more years, more money than anywhere else. So how do you manage that? Is, is there a opt out? but you re-sign and that first year number is a little lower. Um, do you opt in and extend? And there's some declining numbers in there. I, you know, I, I think there's all kinds of options. I, I, but it feels like, and this was a Brooke Lopez, the Bucks, if they want to, as you said, maximize these two years that Giannis is under team control, they kind of have to run it back roster wise. Like, and that maybe also goes back to why the head coach was fired because you're going to be a worse team if those guys leave because you've only got a few million dollars to spend around the edges anyway. So if you can't change the roster, maybe you can, you can change up something else. Right. And, and it, so it feels like to me, Michael, that, that Chris will be back. It's just a matter of, you know, what's, what's the hit on the, you know, that cap line or to April line, whatever it is this year and next and, and, uh, and maybe how long it is. To your point, I don't know if he's – I don't know yet if he's considered a $40 million a year player um, looking ahead. I mean, obviously, look, the cap is going to rise, um, which would theoretically bode in his favor. Um, obviously, the injuries this year uh, limited his effectiveness for most of the year before he got healthy towards the end of the year. Um, I I think certainly – He's a guy that's in the prime of his career. And when you look at the market, it's, you know, are those teams that have the teams that have cap space, who is going to push to get him? Would a team try to get him in a sign and trade? These are all questions that are going to get determined probably well after, you know, the the draft combine when all the talk starts to kind of heat up them. But I agree with you. I, I would think ultimately he ends up back in Milwaukee. I feel the same way, uh, Jim, about Brooke Lopez as well. Um, when I spoke to Brooke Lopez in January at Madison Square Garden, uh, he told me, I love it here. I'm so thankful for the opportunity the Bucks gave me five years ago to come here and be a part of something special. We've had a great time. I can't imagine being anywhere else. And to me, that right there was the quote that I thought solidified it. I think Brooke has been the ideal center for the Bucks. He can stretch the floor. He can post up occasionally when they need it, when Giannis is out. And 
Uh, you saw his, uh, he was a defensive player of the year candidate this year, despite his advanced age. So I, I don't see Brooke going anywhere. I think it's just a question of how much money would he earn? Um, but that's my sense. You could tell me if you think otherwise. No, I, I agree. Um, I think he's also part of that, the, the, the fabric, the glue of the, the locker room. Um, and I think there were legit, there, there had to have been legitimate questions coming off back surgery, you know, at the end of the, the 22, 21, 22 season, Michael, right? Like he missed the entire year, save for the last 10, 11 games of the regular season, played the playoffs. But, you know, he's talking about seven footer with back surgery and, is, and he's getting to his mid thirties. I think, I, I think it was, it was not, unwise to say okay play out this year and, and how does it how does it go and then I voted for him as defensive player of the year on my ballot Michael um he had that kind of year scored the most points offensively he has since he was a New Jersey net or Brooklyn net you know um they, they rediscovered him a little bit in the, the half court so he wasn't just the stretch five although he could still do that so even though there's a new head coach coming in and someone might say, well, you know, Mike Budenholzer in the drop defense. Like I think Bud did the drop to that degree because Brooke became so good at it. Like I, I felt like Brooke at least showed he's got some mobility and ability to maybe play another type of defense. If a new coach brings in such schemes. So um, yeah, I think there's definitely room for him to come back and, it is about the money, but I think there is definitely, definitely mutual interest there. When you talk about it being about the money, I think it's going to be interesting, too, looking ahead that Giannis Antetokounmpo is about to reach the three-year anniversary of signing his Supermax extension with the Bucks, meaning he'll soon be able to be extension eligible again, and he'd be eligible to add about two years and roughly 113 million, according to our hoop type salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin. Um, you know, rarely do you see max extensions with this many years left on a player's contract. Besides, you know, Damian Lillard is a, a rare example of doing it, but, um, you know, Antenna Kumpo can, bypass any extension and and wait to sign a a new long-term deal uh later on certainly um i think if you're milwaukee certainly <laughs> I, I would be shocked if they didn't make the offer because why not you might as well um but other than that i don't really I, I would be a little surprised if it went further than that at this point. Um, Cause I don't think there's any urgency on Giannis' side to have to extend at this point. Um, do you share that sentiment? Yeah. And I, I think there are two reasons and <laughs> it has very little to do with the, um, the, the NBA ish discourse of always looking for where the superstar is going to be gone, you know, going to in the next year or two years, whatever it may be. I think there one is precedent, as you alluded to, I think 
in this in the recent history of these supermaxes, Michael, Damian Lillard is the only one to extend early. Um and by early meaning several years on your deal. And Dame obviously much older, much more injured, far different scenario, I think, than than Giannis. Um also, so there's that. Like I, I feel like when that extension window comes and goes, yeah, the Bucks are gonna offer it. Uh, because why not? Um, but if you're Giannis, you know, look, the, the salary cap, I think, Michael, that the, the league and the union agreed there's not going to be some crazy bump, you know, in a couple of years when the new media rights deals come in. But, you know, it, it does time up with his deal um, when that influx of cash comes in. And I realize it's it's maybe smoothed out, but um, we don't know. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, maybe that changes his thinking in terms of how much money is available. Um, maybe it's graduated at 10%, whatever, but it's um, I, I think there's some, also some roster leverage there. Like this last supermax, I don't think Giannis was ever going to leave as long as the bucks did what they said they were going to do, which was agree to pay the tax and agree to bring in another player who could get him over the top. And it just so happened to be drew holiday. And then Giannis signed. So I could see him sort of holding the leverage, so to speak, but I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, he's going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, um, I've been around him too long. Uh, he's, he's too smart to, to give up things he's earned, which would be, as I said, the leverage, but I don't, I wouldn't read anything. If you're like a Bucks fan or even an NBA fan, who's Photoshopping Giannis in your own team Jersey. <laughs> like, when that window comes and goes in September, October, and when he addresses it with his sort of non-answer answer, um, you know, I I don't think there's anything nefarious about that. Um, and I guess we got to leave the zero, the 1% chance that he does sign it. But it just doesn't feel like, Michael, like it's it's in play because it, it would be really precedent setting. And I don't know. I just don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense for someone who's 28 years old. To, to do that when you've got two years left plus an option. I agree. I will say there have been plenty of Photoshops over the years of Giannis in a, <laughs> in no particular order, a Lakers jersey, a Warriors jersey, now a Knicks jersey. Um, but to me, he's, he's still going to be in that green bucks for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, you know, and I agree with you. I do think he holds a lot of leverage there. There's no need to, to rush that at this point. Um, but I will say coming up, you know, you talked about, um, you know, with the salary cap and the new CBA coming in, there's pros and cons to that because for Milwaukee, the new CBA restrictions are going to limit them down the line. Now you're looking, you know, a couple of years down the line here, but still uh, certainly something to keep an eye on when you've got to deal with free agency for, Middleton potentially and Lopez assuredly um, because he's eligible for unrestricted free agency. Now doesn't have a player option like Middleton. I think that, you know, certainly, you know, I think Brian Windhorst alluded to it. It's one reason why, you know, Mark Lazary kind of made the decision he did regarding ownership and, uh, and whatnot. But to me, I think, it, this is my opinion, I think it's even more of a reason you got to go all in now 
because Giannis is still in his prime. Drew Holiday is still in his prime. Chris Middleton is still in his prime. If you're Milwaukee, you're not, you've never been a huge free agent destination. All due respect, you know, keep that one under your hat, folks. Um, So when you're not a free agent destination, you can develop your own homegrown guy like Giannis. You make a trade to acquire a guy like Drew and you retain him. You make an under the radar trade at the time to get Middleton and he blossoms under your regime. That's how you thrive as a, I don't know if you want to call Milwaukee a small or mid market, but uh, a non free agent destination, I'll say. So looking ahead, Jim, when, when you see the reporting and stuff about the CBA restrictions coming up, how do you think that that will affect Milwaukee now and potentially long-term? You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm sort of glad you repositioned that where, when you're like, oh, uh, not so much mid-market, but maybe non-free agent destination. The Bucs were the third most expensive team in basketball last season. Um, they don't spend like maybe – people assume that they spend like they, they've been these last, you know, three years. Um, they're one of the, 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 yeah, the, the most expensive teams in terms of salary and tax bills, et cetera. Um, so they don't comport themselves like they're quote unquote mid market. Um, but th- there is now a, a greater drawback to that, you know, with this new CBA where, you know, a new owner in the Haslam sports group comes in and you know, the NFL side could get into how successful they've been or, or lack thereof, but they spend money, you know, the Haslam spend money, uh, not just in football, but also in their soccer team. So if this new CBA, Michael hadn't come in with the roster building restrictions, um, if this was just a tax, I think the bucks might've been better positioned arguably to continue to fund their roster, you know, be it with this current core or maybe then flipping it over in a couple of years, you know, when it, to get Giannis to sign a third extension. But now it's not just a repeater tax and $3 for every one or $4 for every one. It's, it's, you know, John horse can't trade out his future picks and then they're frozen, you know, they're, they're frozen in that way. And then, you know, you can't, add salary. You can't trade three players for one. You can't sign and trade Grayson Allen in two years. You, it, It's really more of that stuff. And it's not just the Bucs. I mean, that's going to be the Warriors and the Clippers and name any other tax team, you know, once they get to that level. Um, so yeah, Michael, it, it, these two years are really it, you know, get into the, the repeater tax this year and cross the second apron. Okay. There's some restrictions, but I think you know, no taxpayer mid-level, for instance. You know, that that's Joe Ingles off this last roster. But, you know, I think you could break that up to multiple players. Okay, that's gone, right? And, and maybe there's a buyout. Uh, you, you can't sign a buyout guy who had made a certain amount of money. Okay, so now you're just maybe going at like a lower level. You can work around that, but down the line, um, it's a problem. And I think that's going back to the Middleton and Lopez conversation. Can the money be the same, but how do they structure it, right? Where if you're already going over the first apron this year, do you just 
see if they'll take more now, <laughs> right? And maybe try to de-escalate as I don't know. I mean, maybe this is all new. So I am curious to see how some of these deals uh, around the league, Michael, are worked out, you know, with some of these teams that are going to be – and I don't want to make it this boring, but, yeah, but for the Bucks, Michael, I think it's it's this these two years are really important for them. And, and again, it loops back to that head coaching conversation of who's going to be in a position to handle that. You know, a lot of teams like to say, we want to win. The goal is a championship. In reality, in reality – that's maybe a handful of teams, maybe. And the Bucs are one of those teams, and that's a different kind of pressure for this new new, uh, new head coach coming in. And even, I'd say, for, the, for John Horst as a GM um, and, and the players themselves as they look at this really short window because everybody might be on their way out in a couple years. You know, I, I'll say this. I always applaud the teams that do make the all-in effort and push the chips in the center of the table. I, I was banging my fist on the table that the Nets made the right move to go for James Harden when they did, because you, you rarely have that opportunity to build a team like that from Milwaukee. It was going after Drew holiday and they paid a pretty price for him, but you know, the bucks have three guys that are two way players in the NBA that are all-star caliber guys, which is rare on a team these days. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you look at the league and you see so many scores, you think it's Rucker Park out here, but I digress. Um, when you look at the, the CBA stuff looking ahead, again, they're all in their prime. My, my biggest thing is like, yes, like you are restricted with the, down the line with this new CBA, with the, uh, the mid-level exception and some other sign and trade issues and whatnot, but the majority of these teams are filling out their rosters with minimum guys anyway. Look what the Golden State Warriors did when they went on their championship run. They had minimum guys, okay? It was the Gary Payton the seconds. It was, um, you know, guys like Otto Porter, guys off the bench that went to that team on a minimum to try to win a ring, be on a playoff team, and that's the value in being one of those elite teams that's going for a title. You then get to almost save on money on those guys and have that leverage to say, hey, you can come here, try to win a ring with us. And maybe for some people, re- rehabilitate their, their value. Look, clearly, it worked for Otto Porter when he got that deal from Toronto. Uh, you know, so like a lot of people thought, you know, years ago, Blake Griffin was done with the Nets and. Then he came back, he dunked the first game back and he showed he had a little life left and he got another deal after that and is still in the league with the Boston Celtics. So uh, it's interesting to see how those dynamics work. But looking ahead, Jim, I think certainly this is arguably the biggest offseason for the Bucs in a long time. And my my gut says, you know, like, like we talked about, to keep Middleton, to keep Lopez. Still early on on the coach and search, you know. I'm sure you and I will both be keeping tabs on that feverishly coming up soon. But Jim, I, I'm looking forward to your coverage of it. It's going to be eventful coming up, and uh, buckle up, brother. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, look again. It's it's a, a new ownership change, a new governor, a new head coach, um, a team with very very high expectations. 
It is. It, it, it's um, it's a big off season in so many ways. And yeah, Mike, I I love that you mentioned all those other sort of players. The Bucks. We could argue. There's a whole other podcast on on who they've been able to attract or or haven't been in these last few years. I am really really curious to see how they fill out. You know, the the back end of the roster. Who who sees this group as the group, right? Because it, it truly is going to be these, you know, maybe equal playing field around the edges of the league and some of these tax teams. So you're right, Michael. Looking forward to it just as much. And thanks for having me, man. This has been fun. And, you know, people can, of course, catch me up at jsonline.com. Yes, sir. I appreciate you joining me, Jim. And I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members like Jim Ozarski, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Jim, too. He's at Jim Ozarski. I'm going to spell that one out for you. I know it's a bit of a tongue twister. That's at Jim O-W-C-Z-A-R-S-K-I. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.